for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. It's good to see you. My name, for those of you that don't know you, if anyone doesn't know me, is Tom. Um, and we are on the final week of a series we've been in for the past three Sundays. This is, this is Sunday number four. So we've had uh, Dealing with Disappointment. We've looked at disappointment um, in others, people, disappointment in ourselves, and this morning it is the big one. We're looking at disappointment in God. Disappointment in God. I don't know whether you think that's even a thing that we should uh, mutter in churches, but we're looking this morning on disappointment in God. Now, the previous two weeks we've looked at, as I said, disappointment in people. And disappointment in ourselves. And one of the things that we have said, which is the case with both of these things, is often the the root of those disappointments with people, when they fail us, when they let us down, with ourselves, when we don't do well enough, when we, we just feel like we should have done better, whatever it might be. The root of that, as we said, is so often our expectations. We have too high expectations of people. We sometimes have too high expectations of ourselves which uh, we can't meet, we can't, we can't meet up to that expectation, so we end up disappointed. But this morning we're looking at disappointment with God. And I don't know whether we can, um, we can use that same thing with this this morning. I don't think we can really. We can have two expectations of people, too many high expectations of ourselves, but can we have two high expectations of God? It's an interesting one. Can we have two high expectations of God? And we're going to look at that a little bit this morning. And now this is a, just before I start, this is a really big topic potentially, disappointment with God. Here we can, it leads to far bigger questions, you know, the real big meaty questions like why, why is there suffering in the world? These kinds of things. Why hasn't God answered my prayers? These kind of really big, deep subjects. And I'm not going to be as... Um, flippant or as arrogant this morning to think that we can answer a question like that in 30 minutes kind of and draw a line under it sorted right we figure that one out because they're really big things that really we spend our whole lives trying to wrestle with and understand Um, but I'm going to talk around this thing this morning I'm going to talk less on these kind of really big big topics of you know suffering and pain and and, and sickness and healing, things like that, but more our own hearts with God and where we stand with God and how we interact with God. I'm just going to look at it from that, that, that kind of point of view this morning. So all these bigger, bigger things, I may touch on them. There might be some stuff which is applicable there, but please don't read, don't, don't take what I'm saying and think this is some sort of one-fits-all kind of answer to all these big, big problems because they are huge things which we need to talk about, we need to think about, and God has loads of stuff to say about that kind of thing but far more than we can ever talk about in 30 minutes this morning so this morning though we're going to focus on our our own hearts our own lives rather than these specific issues so what i say today you may leave with more questions than uh, you came in with which is fine. Jesus seemed to do that a lot of the time. So many of the times when Jesus says something, it creates more questions than it does answers. He is brilliant and frustrating in that way. That is the brilliant thing about what Jesus does. And we're going to read a couple of these stories this morning where he did something like this. But the first, um, before we kind of get into the, the 
the issue of disappointment with God. There's a little bit of pre-stuff that I want to go through. And you're gonna, you might think, why on earth, Tom, has this got to do with disappointment with God? You're, you're rambling, right? Just hold with it. And by the end, hopefully it will make a little bit more sense. So we're going to go uh, to a passage in the Bible from John chapter 3, verse 1. And this is a story about a guy called Nicodemus. So it should be on the screen. Verse 1, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Well, how can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. And then he goes on, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And how can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teachers, said Jesus. And and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Let's just pray before we carry on. Jesus, we just want to ask this morning that you would help us this morning to know your word, to know the word that you want to speak to our life. May we receive it. Help us to understand by your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a passage, a conversation that Jesus is having with this guy, Nicodemus. And Jesus talks here, this phrase, which we hear quite a lot in church, can be a really confusing phrase. I have sympathy in many ways with Nicodemus because it is kind of crazy when you take it at face value. But Jesus talks of being born again that we need to be born again. And we have these sorts of terminology a lot, don't we, in church, in the songs that we sing, in things that we hear. Things like, um, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, now I'm found. We have things like we move from darkness into light. Uh, we have new life, born again, the old man, the new man, the flesh, the spirit. We have these sorts of this thing and that thing quite a lot in Scripture. And in Matthew 26, 41, uh, Jesus uh, says this thing. Um, he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, um, we, need to, we need to be more aware, I think, and understand that we have this kind of battle which happens between the, the flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. Sometimes I think we can forget this thing, but it's really important, I think, to recognize that there is always, for a Christian, a battle that happens within us between the flesh and the spirit. Now, what is the flesh and the spirit? We're going to quickly look at Galatians 5 to give us an answer on this. 
verse 16. It's not on the screen, but it says, um, this is Paul saying, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then this is what the, what the flesh is. The acts of the flesh, it says in Scripture, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. That's quite the list, isn't it? That's an epic list. We're going to come back to some of those in a minute to try and uh, make them a little bit more 2018 understandable. Um, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So Jesus taught to Nicodemus about this need to be born again. And that's a phrase we hear that I hate the news sometimes report on a, he's not just a Christian, he's a born again Christian. And you're meant to go, ooh, that's a bit weird. But this is a very normal thing that Jesus talks about, about being born again. And it's not really that weird. It's just him saying that when you come to know Jesus, there is the old man and there is the new man. There is the flesh, but Jesus is interested in the spirit. And in this list in Galatians, that kind of slightly um, frightening list that it gives, I'm just going to read that from the message version of the Bible. Now the message, it's not a direct translation, it's Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. There's a bit of Eugene Peterson in there, but I think it's really helpful to help us understand a bit more. And he says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all of the time. That's the flesh, getting your own way all of the time. He says, repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, I could go on. That's quite the list, isn't it? <laughs> you know, that's, this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about when we talk about the flesh. It's grotty. It's horrible. It is not nice stuff. Whereas the spirit, as we read, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the flesh is the things that we do when we're left to our own devices. That's us in our humanity. The things that we do when we get selfish and we get bitter and we just want it our way all the time. And then there's the spirit, which is the way of Jesus. What Jesus is cultivating within us, what he wants to do in us. And these are the two things, I'm sure if we just think about it for a moment, we will recognize that there is a battle in our life as a Christian between these two things. The, the, the scripture says that there is a conflict. There is a conflict. And I'm, I'm very aware of this in my life. 
Every single day, we have decisions to make where we need to choose whether we're going to go with the flesh or whether we're going to go with the spirit. Am I going to love my neighbor or am I going to be jealous of them? Am I going to be faithful or am I going to be unfaithful to my, to my husband and to my wife? Am I going to forgive someone or am I going to take revenge? The spirit, the flesh, the spirit, the flesh. These things are in conflict. At times in your life, you you have this moment where you're trying to, you don't know what to do with the right thing or the wrong thing. This is normal. This should be kind of a normal thing because there is a conflict. There's a conflict in us, but we need to choose the way of the spirit. So am I going to seek to satisfy my flesh? Or my spirit. That's the choice. That is the conflict. And it's not, let me just say, it's not this thing, it's not that God has no interest in our flesh and the things of the flesh. I don't think that's true. I think he understands more about things that are going on in our life than we even ever realize. To, to suggest otherwise, it's getting into the realms of Gnosticism in the Bible, which is in contrary to the gospel, which we've not got time to go down at the moment. He is interested in those things, but he cares more about our heart, and he wants us to go in the way of the spirit and not the flesh. Now, we're going to watch um, a video for three or four minutes. This is a a song which many of you may know. It's been sung in churches all around the world at the moment. Um, And then we're going to tie what I've just talked about with this whole thing of disappointment in God. But we're just going to watch this song for those of you that don't know this song. This is called King of My Heart. So this morning, we're looking at the topic of, we said, disappointment in God, which kind of raises the question, does God disappoint us? Does God disappoint us? In that song, there's that line that they sing over and over again, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. And I've got to be honest, um, when I first heard this song a year or two ago, whenever it was, I struggled with that line. <laughs> I struggle to sing that line because I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like God has let me down. I don't know what you meant to say that in church, but sometimes it feels like God has let me down. I know there's all kinds of things in life that places I wanted to be, wanted to doing, things that I wanted to see happen, people that I wanted to see healed, people, all kinds of things where it feels like God has not come through in those places. And it's jarring, I think. I find it really jarring, that line, you're never going to let me down. And the whole time I'm thinking, well, what about that thing in my life? What about that place? What about that thing I prayed for? What about that thing that I've been hoping for and dreaming of? And, and yet in church we stood there singing, you're never going to let never gonna, And there's something jarring about it. So I wrestled with that line. So does God disappoint us? Does God disappoint us? I think it depends on what we mean by the word us. We're going to look at uh, another passage in the Bible. This is my main text this morning. It's going to be on the screen. Um, and this is really, a, 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 I think this is primarily a, uh, a passage of Scripture which is more about... I think we read it as it's about greed and about wealth and things like that. But I think we're going to look at it in a slightly different way this morning. It is about that. 
but um, I think there's something else that's going on there. So we're going to look at that. It's in uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So this is a story of a man who met Jesus. And it says there we read that he went away sad. I think other scriptures use the word grieved. So I think we can kind of think in the realms of disappointment there. This is a guy that came. He met Jesus and went away sad, grieved, disappointed. Now, in this, in this passage, this is in uh, two other Gospels as well. So some of the bits are not in this one. But from the three different versions of this story, we read that this guy was someone that, that had it all together. Right? There was someone that's probably quite respected, someone quite wealthy, someone that had some authority in the community maybe, someone that people looked up to, that kind of person that just seems like they've, they've nailed it. Everything is going for this guy. And on the face of it, it seems like he asked some really good and really fair questions, I think. In the text there, it says, first of all, it says that he came to him. um, It says that he ran up to him. Oh, the eagerness. Oh, he really wants Jesus. He ran up to him. It says that he fell on his knees before him. He's doing all right, isn't he? This, This is stuff we thumbs up at. You know, he ran up to him. He fell on his knees before Jesus. And he said, good teacher. He's recognizing that he's good. He's recognizing that he's the teacher. And then he asks a question, which we would celebrate most people asking, what can I do to inherit eternal life? I think he's doing all right on the face of it. This guy is, 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 is acting in front of Jesus in a way that I think one should act in the way before Jesus. But as we read this story, Jesus seems to get really heavy on this guy. He's like, Ouch, wow. Like he doesn't seem to be that harsh on some people in some of the stories in the Bible. But I think what is happening in this story is that Jesus reads this guy like a book. He reads his soul like a book, and he can see what is going on. He sees his heart, and so he goes pretty heavy on him. And there's two reasons, I think, two main reasons why I think Jesus did this to this guy. First of all, he thought that Jesus was something that you could earn. He thought Jesus was something you could earn. Jesus, what else can I do? I've done this, I've done this, I've made some money, I'm doing well in the community, I've, I've followed the commandments, I've done all these things, I've done all those Jesus, I've done it. What else can I do? Now this isn't one of my main points this morning, but I just want to just recognize that it is only by grace that we can know eternal life. Nothing by what we do, however hard we work, however much we read our Bible, come to church, whatever the thing we do, which might be fantastic, might be great, it's not enough. It's not enough. 
Jesus is not something that you can do. The second error that um, he made, I think, was that he thought that Jesus was something that you could add. That Jesus was something that you could just add. So he, had, he might have had his job, he might have had his family, he might have had his finances. And he thought, what else? What else can give me that a little bit more in life? Let's have a little bit of Jesus. Jesus is not something that you can just add into your life to make it better. Jesus doesn't work like that. Jesus isn't a top-up. That's not what Jesus is. When we know Jesus, when we follow Jesus, Jesus comes in and he doesn't just have an add-on to our life. He wants to become our everything. Jesus is not just something we can piece on as a little extra, like a, you, you know, on phones you, get a, you increase your bundle, add a little bit more on. That's not what Jesus is. <laughs> he wants to come into our life and he wants to blow it apart and he wants to be, as we saw in that song, the king, the king of our heart. When you meet Jesus, when you meet Jesus, the real Jesus, he, he disturbs you. He messes you up in a way. Jesus is not, he doesn't just do this fringe sort of business. Jesus, he comes into our life and he's like, because he wants to be, as I said, the king of our heart. He can rattle us. And we saw this in this guy. This guy came in, he met Jesus, and Jesus saw that he had a big issue with money. He had a big issue with money, and he didn't want to give it up. He wanted to keep all of that. He'd worked hard for his money. He'd worked hard for his position. I think lots of the, the, the passages at the title at the top, they refer to this as the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler. He thought, I've worked for this. I've done, I've done all of this. I just want a little bit of Jesus to add on to my life. And he didn't want to give it up. He wanted to add some of Jesus into that security system that he had built up for himself. He had built his little kingdom. He would built up that whole system of all the things that he had in his life. And he did not want Jesus to touch that. He wanted to keep that for himself because that was his. But he wanted that little bit of Jesus just to add that little bit of icing on the cake in his life. And Jesus was having none of it. This is where Jesus doesn't mess around, and he went for this guy. Jesus thought, Jesus wasn't being mean here. This isn't Jesus. No, you're not going to have that. You're not going to have that. How dare you? He's, he's not trying to spoil this guy's fun. He's not, nothing like that. But he sees that this security system that he built up for himself, this finance, this kingdom, whatever we want to call it, he could see that this thing had a hold on him. And Jesus was trying to save him from the cancer that this kind of stuff can be in our life. The things that, 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 that we um, prioritize, the things that we place before Jesus, that they're not just this thing on the side. Jesus wants to come in and sit on the edge. He sees these things as the monster that they can be, where they grow and grow and grow, and they cause us misery, they call us, cause us pain, they break our families up, they awful, terrible things. And Jesus is trying to protect this guy from all of this stuff, all of this stuff that he could see at the time as he's looking at this guy, this stuff is destroying you. Jesus could see that these things rob him of the joy and freedom that he could know. And so this guy went away disappointed. I don't think he was expecting this when he came to Jesus. But he went away disappointed. He didn't hear what he wanted to hear. 
And in effect, maybe we can say that God disappointed this guy. I think it would be more accurate to say that God disappointed his flesh. Maybe. And in this sense, maybe, maybe we could say that God could disappoint us too. Maybe. Now, if you think of all these things in our lives, all these things that we build up, all these things that can take so much of our time and our thinking, jobs, houses, relationships, finances, our dreams, our goals, all these kinds of things. As I said before, and I just want to say again, God cares about this stuff. (laughs) He cares about this stuff. He cares more about what is going on in your life than you realize. Because he's a good God. He's far better than we ever expect. God is so, so good. But the problem is when these things become the king of our heart. When these things, all this stuff, this list, the stuff of the flesh, the jobs, the houses, the relationships, finance, dreams, goals, when these things become the king of our heart, we will get disappointed. Our flesh will get disappointed. And some of the times when, when God um, speaks against these things, it can hurt, it can be difficult, it can be frustrating, but God is doing it because he wants to protect us from the damage that these things can cause in our life. He's doing it because he is so faithful to us that he won't let these things take priority in our heart and the spirit because he wants us to know the freedom that comes from following him. I don't know about you, but sometimes we can kind of like take little bit of scriptures that we like and, and, and kind of wrap it around things that are happening in our life because we, we want it to mean that. So I, mean, I, I can remember a few years ago, I went for this uh, a job interview. And in hindsight, I'm delighted I didn't get this job. But um, I went for this job, and at the time I came out thinking positive about it. I think it's gone really well. And it, I, I think we all do this on my way home. In my mind, I was, I was spending my, my new money already. I was spending, I was thinking, right, I could buy this, I could buy that, I could do this. And, and I was just re, kind of writing this little narrative for my life. All these things, this, this job is going gonna, is gonna to help me and going to solve all these problems. And then a couple of hours later, I got the phone call. You did great, but no thanks. And then suddenly... <sighs> Everything, everything falls to the ground. Disappointment. Disappointment. So we write this little narrative. We set our expectations thinking, God is doing this. This is wonderful. And I might have quoted some scriptures against it, you know, as well. That God is doing this. He's for me. He's not against me. And, you know, celebrating already. But I, I did that to myself. I started writing this little story. That, but, but God is the author. God is the author. God has got plans for us. God is doing things that is far better than what I can write for myself. The amount of times in my life where I thought, I want this, and I'm praying about it. I might have even said, I believe this is God, and then it didn't happen. And so, well, has God let me down? Has he failed me? Or is he saving me from something? Is he keeping me from something? Is it because he's got something better for me? The problem, and I spoke on this a couple of months ago, this same phrase, it's when we start thinking of our kingdom and our will above his kingdom and his will. 
Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where we pray, my kingdom come, and my will be done. We start making these little things in our life that we want to see happen. When we make my kingdom come and my will be done our goal, we will get disappointed in God because he won't play that game. He won't play that game. The more we stamp our feet, think, I want this, I want to do this, Jesus sees it like he saw this guy. He saw into this guy what was happening and what his problem was. And I love it in verse 21 of this passage. And this is right before he gives him this real heavy thing. Right before he says, go and sell everything you've got. Which we don't see that anywhere else in scripture, Jesus telling us to do that. I think it's a specific thing he's seen in this guy. Before he gave this really heavy blow, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he gave it him heavy. <laughs> if I were right in the Bible, it would say Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And so he said, okay, all right then, I'll tell you what I can do. But Jesus watched this guy walk away. <laughs> he didn't go, no, 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 come back, come back, come back. I've got another idea, let's try something else. Jesus just watched this guy go. Which is something we don't think of with Jesus. But Jesus watched this man walk off. But it's because he loved him. It's because he loved him. We can think of this as a really heavy word, but this is about freedom. This word, what Jesus is doing here, is about freedom. And what we need to do, we talk about disappointment, but we need to reappoint our priorities. And this can only happen by what the song says, is praying and asking him to be the king of our heart. Not just the council leader of some small area of our heart. The king of our heart, the number one position, not something that you can add to it, but saying, God, I want you to be the king of my heart. I want you to have my everything. And when that is the case, that is why that line, I think, is absolutely true, that he will never, never let us down. He will never let us down. He will disappoint us or we will feel disappointed by him. If we're pursuing the way of the flesh and we're trying to do what we want, when we want all the time, We're going to feel disappointed because God will not cave into that. He loves us too much. He's relentless with us at times. But it's because he loves us. He loves you. At times in your life, maybe even this week, you felt frustrated. Why haven't I got more money? Why haven't I got a better job? Why am I not got a girlfriend or a boyfriend? Why am I not married? I want these things more than anything. But what is happening in our heart a lot of the time, there's this battle going on. But Jesus wants to be the king of our heart. And this is where we can know freedom. When he is the king of our heart, he will never let us down. When we are following the way of the spirit rather than the way of the flesh, God will not disappoint us. If you're feeling disappointed this morning, he's not finished yet. It's not the end of the story yet. God will not fail us. He will not let us down. Let's stand and pray. God, I thank you that this morning, I believe that as we stand here, you're looking at us, and like this guy in the story, you love us. You're looking at us through the eyes of love. 
And Jesus, sometimes your message is so hard. And maybe the talk this morning isn't what we were expecting when we were have a talk on disappointment in God. But God, we believe that you do not fail us. When we follow your way, when we follow your heart, you are faithful to us. We look back over the years of our lives and we see faithfulness. And this morning, Jesus, we want to say that we want you to be the king of our heart. We want you to be number one. Come, Holy Spirit, this morning. Let's just spend a minute before we sing. Let's just wait. You might just want to pinpoint some things in your life. You might want to just speak to certain things that are going on in your life at the moment. Holy Spirit, come this morning. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.